you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. up how are we doing how are we doing and welcome to episode number 54 of the banner branch podcast i'm your host and favorite boston Celtics season ticket holder timmy g how's everyone doing hope everyone had a great 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 weekend i know i did i was fortunate enough to be able to open up a box office at a brand new concert venue called big night live outside of uh the td garden at the hub on causeway check it out tickets are available on ticketmaster.com but more importantly you can find me on the twitter machine at banner banter 18 or on facebook and instagram at banner banter podcast it was a pretty exciting week for the boston celtics playing some basketball absolutely Absolutely loved every single second of it. They went two and zero. They got they get a huge, huge win against the Milwaukee Bucks, one sixteen to one hundred five, and they also get basically a buzzer beater against the New York Knicks, one hundred four to one hundred two. Brought to you in part by Jason Tatum. Um, some unfortunate news: there will not be a Cantor banter this week because Ennis Cantor did not play. Because well, what kind of sucks about it is his knee. Now I'm concerned. A knee contusion, maybe like a week or so. It's now looking like it could be longer than that. So I don't know if the Celtics are holding back information. Maybe they're just taking you know, it cautiously because we're only four or five games into the season. But either way, I'm starting to get very concerned about NS Cantor. Jalen Brown didn't play this week at all either. He was out due to illness. I figured he was just going to miss the Bucks game, but the illness was so bad that he also missed the Knicks game as well. So hopefully Jalen will be feeling better for this three-game road trip. But let's get right into it. What a weird and bipolar game for the Celtics versus the Knicks. The Celtics offense was terrible to start the beginning of the game. Nothing was falling. All of the starters were in the negatives at the end of the first half. Kemba was missing layups. Gordon was missing layups. Tatum couldn't hit the, the side of a wall if he was standing next to it. It was really really, really bad. And it didn't help that the Celtics defense not only let the Milwaukee Bucks starters get going, but they also let the Milwaukee Bucks bench get going as well. Within the first minute of the game, you thought the Celtics were going to do some good things. They put Marcus Smart on Giannis Antetokounmpo, something that Giannis has probably only seen a few times since Giannis over the last three or four years has been used to having Al Horford or Ann Baines on him. So a smaller guy, but a more physical guy. So I'm uh, I don't know, like, like what was Giannis's mindset? Was it, hmm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be more physical with him. I'm gonna be able to drive by him. He's not as long and as lengthy, so I can do different things. But Marcus, within the first minute of the game, picked up an offensive charge on Giannis, which got obviously got the crowd hype, got the team hype, but it didn't really help them in any way, shape, or form. It probably helped the Bucks more than it did the Celtics. But the thing that really sucked is. 
the Milwaukee Bucks bench got going, and that, to me, was very annoying. Everyone on the Milwaukee Bucks bench was a plus six or better by halftime. It was absolutely ridiculous. Cunnington was getting going. Brooke Lopez, George Hill, Kyle Korver, Ilyasova, all those guys were get, like, they basically looked unstoppable, and it was borderline infuriating, absolutely. I mean, at, at one point, the Celtics were down 19 points in the second quarter, which just seemed absolutely positively ridiculous but to allow the bucks to shoot 46 percent from the field and 41 percent from three in the first half it was something that i talked about in episode 53 you can't let them get going shooting the ball and that's exactly what the celtics did but i thought the celtics with about two or three minutes left were doing a pretty good job kind of cutting down the lead they got it down to like 14 points you know going on quick little four or five runs and marcus smart stepped in front of Giannis again to try and get an offensive foul, and it just didn't work out because it was called a block. Would have been Giannis's third foul of the game. Giannis should have been called for an offensive foul earlier in the game as well when he went up to try and posterize Brad Wanamaker, and he used like his forearm. And if you remember opening night against the 76ers, he used his, uh, Ben Simmons used his forearm. I, I forget on who it was. Might have been Tatum. Might have been Tice, whatever the case may be, he got called for an offensive foul. You figured that was going to get called for an offensive foul. It obviously did not happen. Brad challenged it, and he lost the challenge. Giannis hits two free throws with literally, I think there was like 0.2 seconds left, and the Celtics were down 16 at the half. So going in, you're like, okay, are they going to come back with a new mindset? Are they just going to kind of mail it in and be like, okay, we can never beat the Bucks. They own us. Let's get over it. But they didn't. Kemba. Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum came out in the third quarter and combined for 23 points. Absolutely incredible. And then you look over at the the, the Bucks side, Bledsoe, Ilyasova, Middleton, Giannis, and Wesley Matthews combined for a total of 10 points in that third quarter. And the best part about that third quarter was how they ended it. In this season so far, it doesn't seem like the Celtics have been able to close out quarters very well, especially in the second quarter. You know, you look at that 76ers game, you look at the Knicks game, you look at the Raptors game. It, it was all signs of they weren't going to be able to close this out very well, and they actually did a great job with Jason Tatum hitting two back-to-back three-pointers back back three late in that third quarter. And it even got Paul Pierce out of his seat. Paul Pierce was at the game because it was an ESPN game, so they were covering it. Paul Pierce was sitting courtside next to Wick, stepped out on the court, gave Jason Tatum a five as he was running down. A really, really cool moment for the Boston Celtics, for Jason Tatum, and I'm sure Paul Pierce as well. But the part that was great to see and was kind of scary to me was the fact that they didn't give up once they had that lead at the end of the third quarter i think they were up four points at the end of the third quarter might have been five might have been six but it was somewhere in that range they went balls to the wall in the third quarter the defensive rotation the defensive rotations were there they were contesting shots that's why you know middleton and Ilyasova and all their good shooters were having a terrible night shooting at least in the third quarter but they kept pushing they didn't let the Bucks get back into it. Every single time you thought the Bucks were going to get back into it, the Celtics said, no way, Jose, I'm all set. It was like they were the scrappy Celtics, the Celtics that everyone enjoys over the last, I don't know, four out of five years, if you don't include last year. Everyone going balls to the wall, playing for each other instead of themselves. It It's going to be stressful this year if they keep playing that way, but it was ugly, but it was a win. It was a good win. Gave the team some confidence. You figure, okay. If they can beat the Bucks by about 11 points, they're going to wash the floor with the New York Knicks since they basically beat them by, what, 15-plus points 
last Friday shouldn't be a problem at all. But the Celtics didn't play another full 48 minutes of basketball against the New York Knicks, but it it's starting to get frustrating. So far, we're five games into the season, and the Celtics have not played a full 48 minutes of basketball. When will that change? How will the team look? Right now, I feel like they're only playing like two good quarters a game. Third quarter and the fourth quarter of the Bucks game, the third quarter and the fourth quarter of the the Knicks game, the third quarter and the, and the fourth quarter of the Raptors game. They didn't look good at all against the 76ers. And then this game against the Knicks, once again, they only looked good. I would say maybe in the fourth quarter they looked pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to go with the fourth quarter. They looked pretty good. But before I get into anything else about this, about the Knicks game, what a night for Stand By Your Man Marcus Morris. It was an honor to watch Stand By Your Man Marcus Morris play basketball again. He scored 29 points and had nine rebounds. He wore a pair of Kyrie Irving sneakers all game. Absolutely fantastic pettiness on his end. And I I loved how honest and open he was to Jay King in The Athletic. If you guys don't have a, a subscription to The Athletic, I can't even talk right now. If you do not have a subscription to The Athletic, it's pretty cheap. Do it. A lot of great articles, especially some Celtics ones. And Marcus Morris talked about how upset he was that the Celtics didn't even give him a call about free agency, even if it was to like thank him for all the great time and that they were going to move into a different direction. So I was a little disappointed in that, and I wish Danny Ainge kind of treated Marcus Morris better. But with that being said, Marcus Morris was fantastic. Shot the ball pretty well. It was weird. He was like 8 of 11 from the free throw line, and I can't remember the last time I saw him miss multiple free throws in a row in a game, at least while he was playing for the Celtics. But he was the one that hit that game-tying shot with four seconds left before Jason Tatum hit the game winner. And if you're a Celtics fan and you don't miss Stand By Your Man Marcus Morris, you're insane. He is awesome. He plays physical. He loves to talk. He hates everyone that he plays against. It's exactly what this team needs and loves. And uh, I really, really miss him. But the really, really important part about this game, in my opinion, is Jason Tatum might be out of his shooting slump. I'm being serious. He was 9 of 17 from the field. If you look at all the other previous games, he was like 8 of 22. He shot the ball. He didn't shoot the ball that great against the Bucks. You know, we are like, oh, God, it's not going to work out. It's so annoying. But he went 8 of 19 from the field, hit that game winner in the corner, and it, and I find it kind of funny that people wanted him to kind of go away from his, you know, Memba, Memba, um, not Memba. Oh, my God, what is Kobe Bryant's nickname? Mamba, the Black Mamba. I'm thinking Memba, Kemba. Oh, my God, what an idiot. But the, the Black Mamba, Kobe Bryant, tried to get away from that mentality, but that was a Kobe Bryant move. That was a Kobe Bryant shot. That was a Kobe Bryant finish. Just being honest, like like that's how it was. But one thing that has to go and one thing that really has to come into Jason Tatum's game, even if his shooting slump is is now over, is Tatum's awkward floater is driving me nuts. It's so weird. He like drives the rim and then he like almost like throws it. He doesn't like let it go. Like if you look at Steph Curry or James Harden or Russell Westbrook, like their floaters, they just let it go. You know, like rookie of the year. Just let it go. But Jason Tatum like throws it and it's so awkward looking and annoying to see and I don't like it in any way shape or form but he had about a hundred 
in 12 chances during this game to put his head down and attack, and he didn't. He would pull out, he would take a couple dribbles back, shoot a contested jumper, and that was kind of annoying. He would, like, there would be times where he even, like, passed it up, wide open lane. Jason Tatum can't be taking two free throws a game. Right now he's averaging three, but in that Knicks game he only took two free throws. That has to end as soon as possible. Jason Tatum needs to put his head down, he needs to learn how to change directions while he's driving the rim, and just be, it's okay to get fouled, you're going to go to the free throw line. You, you really and truly are. And w- another really frustrating thing about this Knicks-Celtics game was the fact that, I swear to God, the Knicks play better at TD Garden and the Celtics play better at Madison Square Garden. And that, to me, just doesn't make any sense. Like, last year, the Knicks gave the Celtics hell at Madison's, at TD Garden every single game. And then, for like the last 10 years, the Celtics have owned the Celtics at Madison Square Garden. I don't get it. It drives me absolutely crazy. It really and truly does. It... it it doesn't make any sense to me. Last week in the podcast, I said this team needed to rebound better. You know, I understand that the Knicks are a better rebounding team than the Celtics, but they just have to keep it reasonable, and I think they did a really good job. They lost the rebounding battle by, I think, 10 or maybe even more. I think they I think they lost by, like, 10 or 12 rebounds. Sorry, folks, I have a cold. I'm going to be sniffling. You're probably going to hear some boogers dripping out of my nose because this microphone is so sensitive. But this team had to be physical, and they only lost by seven rebounds. So still, they lost the rebounding battle, but it was an improvement. I thought they had to be physical with Julius Randle, but instead of being physical with them, they just forced him outside of the paint, and he was clueless out there at times. He had six turnovers in that game, and I thought that was a huge part for the Celtics because to hold Julius Randle under 10 points, he's obviously going to get his rebounds. I think he had like 10 rebounds, but to have him basically almost be like a point guard out there with how far they pushed him out of the key for have him for have him have six turnovers while I really cannot talk is absolutely crazy and the one thing that was also frustrating is the Celtics I think last week when they played the Knicks they forced 20 turnovers and this time they only forced about oh I don't know maybe 10, 12, 13, 14, which is obviously a huge drop-off. So the turnovers went down for the Knicks, but the rebounding went up for the Celtics. Either way, the Celtics won. But it really was a real, a weird game. I keep saying but a lot, huh? I mean, I do like butts, and I cannot lie, but I keep saying but a lot. Anyways, it was a weird game for the Celtics. They couldn't, like, go on runs, and it was frustrating because it should have been a blowout. Like, every single time you thought the Celtics could go on, like, a a 6-0 run, the Knicks came right back. And you're like, bro, come on, let us go on a run. Like, like, let us be, let us be. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. But my two takeaways from the week overall from these two games is Kemba Walker is doing something that Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving didn't do last year. And that's really making me smile. If you guys remember all the episodes last year, I complained and complained and complained that this Celtics team refused to go to the free throw line. Kemba is going to the free throw line 29 times against the Bucks and the Knicks combined, and he made 28 out of the 29. The entire team, minus Kemba, went to the free throw line and took 21 free throws and made 16. So Kemba himself has made 12 more free throws last week than anyone else in the entire team, and he also took 8 more as well. That's insane. That's insane. This is exactly what you want. If Kemba Walker is going to go to a, the free throw line 13 or 14 times a game, that slows the game down for the Celtics, which they probably need, especially the big men, since Cantor wasn't playing, Time Lord didn't play in the 
Knicks game because of uh, a hip thing, which hopefully isn't too serious. But Kemba's going to the free throw line, and hopefully that is a sign that other guys can go to the free throw line too. Like it's okay to attack the rim. Kemba wants other guys to be better. He said all the right things after the Bucks game, which is something that Kyrie really didn't do. So Kemba, 29 free throws in two games is awesome. And every single Celtics fan should be pumped about that. The other thing that I took away overall is there is a lineup that Brad Stevens went with in game four with the Bucks and game five with the Knicks. And that is Hayward, Edwards, Grant Williams, Wanamaker, and Shemi Ojolet. And let me tell you something. It has to go. I never want to see it again. I love Brad Stevens with every single ounce of my soul, but this is one of the dumbest things he's ever done, ever. It didn't work versus the Bucks. It didn't work versus the Knicks. It's not going to work ever. Hayward still doesn't have that, like, I'm the go-to scorer mentality yet. I think he's, like, playing with Kemba, playing with Tatum, playing with Brown. He realizes that he's, like, the third or fourth option. So to put him out there and make him be the number one option, sure, I could see maybe it's a confidence booster thing, but overall, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't like it. Carson Edwards has been terrible this year, folks. I don't care what anyone says. He's been shooting the ball poorly. He just got a terrible haircut. He got rid of his dreads, like, thinking maybe that's going to be the issue. Like, Jalen Brown had his afro. He shaved. Carson Edwards had dreads. He shaved. So I'm not a big fan of his haircut in any way, shape, or form. Grant Williams, he's doing the little things, which is fine. But again, he's on a go-to score. Grant Williams was great against the New York Knicks. He had, I think he scored 10 points in the first quarter. Maybe it was the first half overall. But he was great. He did everything right. But he's not like a number two guy when you have a lineup and it's not like these this lineup was playing for like 90 seconds together this was like three four five minutes wait it like it was it was absolutely crazy brad wanamaker is fine he makes some dumb decisions sometimes but he's been playing fine this year and shemmy's terrible don't get me going on shemmy ojale my god he is driving me absolutely crazy i can't stand it i don't understand why he plays like he didn't really Sure, he had a couple reasonable defensive plays against Giannis in the Bucks game, but like, no, bye bye, get him out of here. I don't want to see him anymore, but whatever. It's whatever. But even though I'm I, not a fan of that lineup, someone in that lineup is our stud. And then I have to talk about all you fans for the dud. So let's hit the music. And now it is time. For the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, this week's Celtics stud and dud of the week. The stud is Gordon Hayward. That's right. He got his first 20 and 10 game in a Boston Celtics uniform against the Milwaukee Bucks the other day. He finished with 21 points, 10 boards, and 7 assists. He's a leading rebounder on this team, folks. He's averaging 7.6 rebounds a game. And yes, I understand there are some frustrations with him. He's missing some layups. He's missing some real easy shots. He may not be defending that well. At times, he really is. He's making the right decisions with his playmaking abilities. But Nine and a half rebounds. He almost averaged ten rebounds in the two games against the Bucks and the Knicks. It was ten. It was I think 
10 versus the Bucks, 9 versus the Knicks. That's exactly what you need, especially when all your big men are basically out. Tice, Play were the only guys that were really big enough to play in either of those games. And I, well, Time Lord played in the Bucks in the Bucks game, but in that Knicks game, Gordon Hayward getting nine rebounds is exactly what you want to see. That's someone stepping up. Gordon Hayward doesn't have to score twenty points a game, but hey, if you can get ten rebounds, nine rebounds, that will help a great deal. So shout out to the seven point six rebounding per game Gordon Hayward. He is the stud this week, and the dud is any Celtics fan that started the Taco Fall chant with under two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Folks, listen. I think Taco Fall is really cool. I think the hype behind him is even cooler. Like, for real. I really and truly think that it's it's a great, great thing. But with that being said, there is absolutely no reason why in any way, shape, or form that Taco Fall should be in that game should be checked into that game and there should be no reason why any fan wants to see him in 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 the game i get it it's a great story he's a freak of a person we have never seen it but taco fall comes into that game you lose that basketball game you can't tell me differently everyone's like oh dude have you seen him he got so much better from the preseason and the postseason yeah it was garbage time against their bench players too like what what if he gets switched out to marcus morris and marcus morris actually hits a three instead of a two you're not gonna be very happy about that Oh man, part you know what? Part of, now that I think of it, part of me wanted Marcus Morris to hit a shot over Taco Fall with three. Tatum misses that shot, and then you blame everything on Taco Fall. And then people are like, "Well, I was Taco in the game anyways." That's probably what should like. I want to see Taco be successful, but like, let's be realistic. Let's be realistic about when he plays. Like seriously, grow up, all of you. I I would rather win a basketball game than see Taco Fall play. Get out of here. But anyway, speaking about. Winning games. The Celtics have an opportunity to go 3-0 and on their road trip this week. They have a game Tuesday, 7 p.m. against the Cavs in Cleveland. Thursday, 8 p.m. in Charlotte on TNT against the Hornets. And then Saturday, a little late afternoon matinee, 5 p.m. in San Antonio against the San Antonio Spurs. But let's start off with the Cavs game. The Cavs, they haven't been as bad as some people thought they would be. They're 2-3 and on the season. I'm recording this. I, I believe they're playing the Dallas Mavericks right now in Dallas, so I won't. They, they could be two and four. They could be three and three. The Mavs have been playing very well. They almost beat the Lakers. Uh, Luka Doncic has been playing great. So if they do end up being two and four, I wouldn't be surprised. But there are two people that the Celtics need to focus on. They don't need to focus on anyone else in any way, shape, or form in this basketball game. I absolutely, positively promise you that. I don't care about Colin Sexton. I don't care about Jordan Clarkson. They're going to get theirs. Della Dova is going to be annoying. Osmond has been disappointing so far this year. I think the Cavs really thought he was going to take a next step, and he didn't And he didn't do that yet. Larry Nance Jr., he's whatever. You know, he'll get like 10 and 6. You're expecting these type of things. But the two guys that they, the Celtics have to focus on are Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love. The two of them combined are averaging 35 points and 20. 8 rebounds a game. Kevin Love in 5 games has 16.8 rebounds per game. He has 84 rebounds overall. In the last 2 games as a team, 12 guys playing, the Celtics have 108 rebounds. And this dude in 5 games alone has 84. 16.8 rebounds per game. Oh my god. 
Ennis Cantor and his knee contusion better come back as soon as possible. And then there's Tristan Thompson. Miss Piggy, a.k.a. Khloe Kardashian's favorite person in the whole wide world, is averaging 11 rebounds per game. And four of them are on the offensive end. Think about that. Think about that. Four offensive rebounds, 11 rebounds per game. I don't know what's going to go on with Cantor. Hopefully he's fine, and I know I just said that, but Daniel Tice cannot box out. And sure, you're probably saying to yourself, well, Grant Williams can. Tristan Thompson it will, could jump right over and reach right over Grant Williams' head because Grant Williams is only like 6'6". Tristan Thompson is 7 feet. He will just jump right over him, get offensive rebounds. Grant will try and jump again, get fouled, and Tristan Thompson goes to the free throw line, which sometimes is an okay thing. But overall, overall, it is something that I am petrified about with the Celtics. They're not a good rebounding team. And these two dudes average 28 rebounds a game, six of them offensive. I want to die inside thinking about it. It literally gives me the heebie-jeebies. But something that is positive about this, the Cleveland Cavaliers turn the ball over a lot. In five games, they've turned the ball over 82 times. And the Celtics so far, only 58 and speaking of that, before the Knicks game, Marcus Smart's assist-to-turnover ratio, he had 21 assists and 3 turnovers. I think he ended up maybe with like 24 total turnovers by the end of the Knicks. I mean, uh, assists by the end of the Knicks game. I think he had 4 or 5 assists in that Knicks game and then 3 or 4 turnovers. So yeah, his assist-to-turnover ratio right now is like 25 to 6 or 26 to 7, something along those lines. But the Cavs love to turn the ball over. So to rebound... And force the Cavs to make dumb decisions, and it'll be an easy win for the Celtics. The Celtics should win this game anyways. Yes, I understand that they blew them out in the preseason. I had to think about that, because like, when did we play the Cavs? I feel like we played them in the month of October, and then, yeah, hey, idiot, it was the preseason. So, rebound, have them make dumb decisions, you'll win this game, have Kemba score well, Get Jalen involved early. I really want the Celtics to get Jalen involved early in this game. He's been sick. He's probably watching this team go, wow, they beat the Bucks without me. They beat the Knicks without me. Ugh, I got to come back and play some good basketball. So get Jalen comfortable. Get him involved early. The Celtics should win. And then we have Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker returns to Charlotte for this first time back. Remember, Kemba has only played for one team, and that was the Charlotte Hornets. So he's returning 8 p.m. on TNT in Charlotte should be a really cool game. How will Ken, the, you know the question is how will Kemba play? It's going to be a weird night. It's going to be an emotional night. It's going to be a great night for him. He's going to get an unbelievable ovation. There shouldn't be a Hornets fan in the world that is upset with him in any way, shape, or form. He did everything he could for that organization. Wanted to go play for a winner, and that's why he's on the Boston Celtics. So is he going to have a bad game because? the emotions behind it, the mental stuff behind it, or is he going to be like, ha, huh, remember this? Remember how I used to drop 40 points a game? I mean, that'd be really cool to see, to see Kemba just absolutely destroy the Hornets. But overall, I'm worried about Kemba in this game because I know he's tough mentally, but this is something he's never had to deal with before. He never had to go back and play against UConn. He, he's never had to play against the Hornets, so it will be really, really weird. And then you also have to think on the other side of things, how jacked up will Terry Rozier be, knowing that he can show this crowd that he he might be better than Kemba. <laughs> uh, that he might be better than Kemba. 
There is no way that Terry Rozier is better than Kemba Walker, but Terry Rozier does have that mentality that he thinks he's better than anyone. But anyways, I mean, to be fair, Kemba, I mean, uh, Terry Rozier is leading the Charlotte Hornets in scoring. He's second on the team in assists. He's having himself a fine season. I'm just glad I'm not a part of it in any way, shape, or form. And we have to think, just like the Cavs, this team was supposed to be like the worst team in the NBA, like a really, really bad team. And they're playing pretty well. 3-3 three and three so far. P.J. Washington, their lottery pick has been lights out. I would have loved P.J. Washington on the Boston Celtics, him and Brandon Clark, like those type of guys. But I think P.J. Washington was picked 12th, and Romeo Lankford was picked 14th. And by the way, to all the Romeo Lankford fans out there, how's he doing? Yeah? Yeah, playing a lot. feel like he's getting a lot of minutes, ready to prove himself. Jalen Brown got sick. Perfect opportunity for him to maybe get a couple minutes against the Knicks. Nope, nothing. How's Brandon Clark doing against the Mavs? Oh, I mean, uh, with the with the Grizzlies. Oh, you know, not bad. Coming off the bench, averaging five rebounds, ten points. Yeah, we won't. We we don't need that. Yeah, yeah, we don't need that at all. But hope for hope everyone's loving the Romeo Langford pick still. <laughs> Screw that. But the way PJ Washington fits in the NBA is absolutely perfect. Lengthy, can shoot the ball super athletic it's like he's almost like the mini version of john collins and i know i talk about john collins a lot but i would love john collins on the boston celtics it's everything i want the time lord to be and hopefully he can turn out that way but it it was a great pick for the charlotte hornets i feel like it's everything they wanted michael kidd gilchrist to be pj washington that's how good pj washington has been so far so far uh because so far so far so far so far so far so far is the right thing to say jesus christ um what else do we got oh the, the Hornets, they, they do have some scores. They have six guys averaging double figures in every game. And guess what? So not the Boston Celtics. But with that being said, they can't play defense. Their defensive rating is 111. The Celtics' defensive rating is 101. So the Celtics will be able to score on this team. If the Celtics can lock down defensively against this Hornets team, this, this game should be another blowout, especially if Kemba plays well. But this team... This Hornets team can be a tough matchup. We saw in that very first preseason game when the Celtics won 107-106, they only won by one point. And yes, I understand Like Tatum only played 20 minutes and Kemba only played 20 minutes. Like, sure, I get that. But if they get going, Nicholas Batum's a great shooter. Daniel Graham's a great shooter. That, that Bacon kid's a great shooter. This team can shoot the ball very, very well. So if they do get going, it could be a tough game. But overall, I really don't think it will be in any any way, shape, or form. And then finally, the th- to end the three-game road trip, the Celtics will be in San Antonio at 5 p.m. against the San Antonio Spurs. And this is another classic Spurs team, and it shows why Pop is one of the best coaches ever. They're 4-1 currently. They have the same record as the Celtics. Their schedule hasn't been that tough, but hey, wins are wins in the NBA. The Warriors... They beat with with no Steph Curry, who broke his hand, which absolutely sucks to see for the NBA. Shaymond Green has some issues. So it's just D'Angelo, Russell, and a bunch of nobodies. They beat the Wizards. They beat the Knicks. You know, again, those three teams, not ideal wins. But overall, they did beat the Portland Trailblazers, who are a really, really good team. And their one loss so far was to the Los Angeles Clippers. It was on the road, but they only lost to them by six. So this team has been playing pretty well. It's going to be interesting to see how Greg Popovich coaches against the Boston Celtics. He always owns Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens wants to be Greg Popovich so bad. I want Greg Pop. Uh, I want Brad Stevens to be Greg Popovich so bad. Pop 
if you guys remember, coached Team USA over the summer. So now he saw Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart every day. So it's going to be interesting to see what he throws at this team defensively and offensively, knowing what these guys do. And in return, you hope that Derek White, one of the best players for the San Antonio Spurs, like Celtics players know what he's good at, what he's not good at, and then they can make those proper changes as well. So I got faith that it's going to be a really big coaching matchup versus a a team matchup in this matchup on this upcoming Saturday at 5 p.m. in San Antonio. And if you guys remember last year, the Celtics beat the Spurs. No, I'm sorry. The Spurs beat the Celtics twice. And we'll never forget that New Year's Eve day game down in San Antonio where the Spurs scored 46 points in that third quarter. LaMarcus Aldridge went off. DeMar DeRozan went off. It was so embarrassing. Yes, Jalen Brown had an incredible game. He scored 30 points coming off the bench. But DeMar DeRozan's still on that team. He can score the ball so, so well. LaMarcus Aldridge is going to eat Cantor, Tice, Timor, whatever the case may be. He's going to eat them alive. That is a promise. So, so I'm ex- I'm expecting a huge game from LaMarcus Aldridge for the Spurs. But if they can control Derek White, DeMar DeRozan, and most importantly, Rudy Gay and Patty Mills, those guys off the bench are really, really good. The Spurs bench is really, really good. They're really deep. So how does the Celtics match up against that? So keep an eye out on their bench versus our bench. That's going to be huge. But I can see the Celtics going 3-0 this week. I can also see them just beat the Cavs and the Hornets and then losing to the Spurs. But, hey, right now they're 4-1. If they can end this 7-1, 6-2, going into playing the Mavs, the Wizards, and the Warriors for the next three games, and they can start off 10-3 and three, like I hope they would, that would be really, really huge because that West Coast trip, I love that it's in November, but to play the Warriors, the Kings, the Phoenix Suns, they've been playing really well. The Clippers, they're ridiculous. The Denver Nuggets, they're really good too. And then to come back to play the Kings again, and then two games against the Nets, who are, I think, 2-4, and four, maybe 2-5 and five so far this season. This month of November could be huge the rest of the way for the Boston Celtics, and they really and truly have to focus right now on this three-game road trip, and I think they're going to do great things. But that's it for this week's edition of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever the case may be. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 and on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Thanks again so much for listening. Looking forward to talking to you guys next week recapping this road trip and pre previewing previewing wow tim talk previewing uh next week's game two home games and then the big west coast road trip we'll talk to you guys soon toodles and noodles x's and o's hey and a scanter get better bye-bye sorry but i'm gone i'm history and i dedicated my life to the boston celtics i dedicated my life to the fans Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.